midfielder. Can he tee up someone in red? And it goes towards Lundgren! Hello and welcome to Stoppage Time Soccer Show. My name is Jordan Wigand, and after a week off in the international break, a man that has to quarantine for five days due to playing in Brazil, it's Logan Stump. Yeah, it's been a rough couple of days, but you know I'm, I'm getting <laughs> through it. Um, Ederson and um, Gabby, they texted me and asked me if I was doing all right. The boys are doing fine. And you know what's really weird, Jordan, is that they were allowed to go and do some like charity work and uh, like where they're going, where Club Bruges is. I don't know what country it is, but um, maybe Belgium. No, but there you go, Belgium. That they were allowed in Belgium at a youth event running a charity event and they weren't allowed to play. So that's pretty funny. That is strange. I will say that mm-hmm. much. Um, but yeah, we're here. Uh, we're going to be talking about um, Newcastle's new owners. Uh, that's why Matt's not on Conflict of Interest. He is one of the new ownership uh, members. He can't be on today while we discuss that. <laughs> I'm just kidding. He's at a, he was at a wedding uh, in my neck of the woods, actually. And I guess he just didn't want to do this episode live. So he is uh, he could have came here. We could have done it in person. But uh, he is going to be back sometime. I know he's got a lot of traveling in his future. So we will see. Uh, when Matt returns, but we can talk about, I guess let's start with the new ownership because there's some problems here, isn't there, Logan? Yeah, and uh, I know that we talked about this last year with the Saudi groups coming in. Um, and a lot of times with that management um, in that region of the world, uh, they've got a lot of problems with it just because of, there's instances where um, I know a lot of their, Um, Men are mistreated, but especially women, um, as far as um, employment and letting them actually live a life that is good uh, in their country. And I know that um, this is no exception um, to the rule that the people that are taking over this club have been known to um, have money paid against women's rights. And um, I I think that when you talk anything about human rights and uh, the civil rights that we have as human beings on this planet, it's really tough when it starts to mesh into your club because uh, I think you want to cheer for the club and you want to like the ownership because they're bringing over $200 billion to the club and they're going to be able to spend a lot on players uh, and get a lot of good things to come into Newcastle. And when you've got this going on in behind the scenes, it's just, I find it very hard um, for these fans to really get behind the owners just because they know what those owners are. It's the same thing. I think Jordan, when we talk about Qatar, um, and we talk about that region of the world um, as well. And it's it's talking about women not being 
on level playing fields and, and oftentimes mistreated in these countries. Yeah, it's kind of been a running theme um, lately, I guess, with, with some of this. Um, but let, let's dive a little deeper into it. We got an article from metro.co.uk, uh, which is filled with ads, by the way. This is an awful website. Um, <laughs> I had ad blocker on it. I was like, turn it off if you want to read this article. Yeah. But uh, so... The, the Saudi Arabian public investment investment fund is what is um, uh, owns the majority of the club now, eighty percent of the club. David and Simon Rubin of RB Sports and Media own ten percent, and Amanda Stavely, a model part of PCP Capital Partners, takes over the other ten percent. So uh, the. Yeah, uh, so Yasir Al Rumayan is a governor of PIF, which is the Public Investment Fund, and he he is the new non-executive chairman of Newcastle United. Uh, so the, the PIF is a sovereign wealth fund alt, uh, that is thought to be worth of four hundred and thirty billion dollars. So their purchase of Newcastle for three hundred million euros was chump change uh, to them. Now, the PIF's chairman, this is where we really get into the controversy, the PIF's chairman, Mohammed bin Salam, is the crown prince of Saudi Arabia. Uh, the, BBB, the BBC says he's the de facto ruler of the country. Now, if you may remember, back in 2018, before we even did this show... Uh, U.S. intelligence concluded that Bin Salam approved the murder of journalist Jamal Khashoggi in 2018. The murder of Khashoggi attracted a lot of attention on Saudi Arabia's abuses of human rights, with Amnesty International listing 10 ways in which the country violates human rights. There was a, uh, you know, a truck that went around St. James's Park on Sunday with a picture of uh, the journalist uh, Jamal uh, Khashoggi and Bin Salam. And it has Jamal Khashoggi murdered 21018 on it. And it drove around, you know, making people uh, aware. Um, so they've been calling this now called sports washing, which is where you, you know, where Saudi Arabia or other countries spend a huge amount of money on sports to, um, you know, kind of obscure their human rights records, right? So Saudi Arabia has spent at least $1.5 billion on bo- hosting boxing, golf, F1, and professional wrestling events. So this is just another step in that. You know, they asked Amanda Stavely on the sports washing here. Um, she said, absolutely not. If that was the intention, we would have bought a major franchise in the U.S., not a football club currently sitting in the relegation zone in the Premier League. This is about business investment and doing something special with a fantastic football club with the best fans in the world. Though I'm assuming there'd be a lot more money in making Newcastle great than buying, like, the Jaguars, right? Wouldn't Wouldn't you think so? Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> uh, just 
it's so tough because of like what they stand for. I mean, I'm reading through uh, a couple of other things that they that has been brought up, and LGBTQ uh, communities have problems with the Saudis just because they've had a a, a game model, I guess, uh, murdered because he posted a shirtless picture on Instagram. Um, but then the backing behind it has been Newcastle and Newcastle TV been given, uh, I guess, approval to go on and say, you know, the Saudis invest in Twitter and Facebook and Uber. And, and so you support them. So you must support, you know, the Saudis and what they what they do to, to go against civil rights. And, I, you know, I, I, if we get into that, I mean, there's so much money that they probably invest that you're investing anything you invest, anything you buy is probably somewhat Saudi. So it's, uh, you know, when you got some of these billionaires and mega billionaires, you can't help but think that they've got some dirty laundry. And, and this seems to be that kind of case. But again, it, it really takes away from the excitement that the Newcastle fans should have just because of how much blood is on their hands as far as the Saudis are concerned. You're muted. I was going to say, it, it, it is tough. You know, where do you draw the line, right? On, yeah, I have a cell phone that's maybe made over there, whatever, right? But I think where it kind of gets blurred at times is that, especially for for people that, uh, and how big, you know, football clubs over in England, for sure, are like part of the community. They're not just a, a sports team that you like. You know, they've been in that city. Like Newcastle United has been around for years, right? Like, mm-hmm. And they have been there through many owners and owners are usually supposed to be what they call stewards of the club, you know? Um, But where I think this can, you know, kind of change from like, I have a cell phone. I can't live without a cell phone, right? Like it'd be tough to with, uh, you know, today's um, world, but, Newcastle could survive without Saudi owners. Um, now, of course, the good thing about this deal is that Newcastle as a club is going to continue to exist, which is, you know, something that, you know, when you look at some of these other clubs that have troubles, Derby County, you know, all uh, you know, Wigan had problems and um, Sunderland having problems, right? Like, is that th- this is security for the club, security for the fans, but when they go spend money in Newcastle United and they buy jerseys or they go to the games, it then might be lining the pockets of people that are actively persecuting other people. And that is where I think it is a little bit more difficult to swallow. Um, You know, we all know that, you know, uh, you know, Roman Abrahamovich is probably not the best person, right? Um, yeah, or shake or any right. of them. So, but I think it's a little different because the ultimate person pro- profiting is not a head of state the mm. way that uh, that you know Bin Salam would would be. You know, while he's not a chairman of it, he's the chairman of the ownership group, mm-hmm. which means that I'm assuming any sort of profit is going to him, and he's murdered a journalist. Mm. Um, and I remember that case. I, you know, I remember that journalist Khashoggi and it coming out that 
you know, he, I think it was like, he went in like security cameras caught him going into like the palace residence and then never coming back out, you know, mm-hmm. like that is awful. And, uh, we got to figure out there's got to be some sort of rules. And, and I guess, I don't know why it went through this time and not last year. There must be something that makes the premier league think this won't be as big of an issue as they thought it was last year. I don't know. It's either that or they just want the money, (laughs) which, you know, could be, but you know, when, when you look at this, there's got to, we got to start making some rules when it comes to football clubs and, you know, baseball clubs and every single club that, you know, you can't own it if you're ahead of state or even if it's like the investment fund of the country or mm. however they're trying to skirt around this, that makes it easy for ownership to be, you know, something that is, uh, you know, like they said, sports washing where you're, you know, you're trying to take the pressure. Like, Cause look, if Newcastle, does really well people are going to love the saudis right they're going to love saudi arabia but when you look deeper into it you're like you shouldn't because of these things and that's what sports washing is right like oh look at all of our great uh and now they're trying to get into hosting the 2030 world cup you know they're trying to get uh, which you know qatar is already hosting in 2022 and it should be another country's turn. But now they're trying to, you know, Infantino is saying, what if we hosted in Israel with neighbors? Well, they're not going to host it in Palestine with Israel because those two don't get along. So it's going to be another neighbor state that like uh, United Arab Emirates or Saudi Arabia that's going to get to host it with Israel. And then that's going to skirt around. Well, it's not time for another Middle East country to get it. They're going to end up getting it and they're going to use their money to probably buy off like Infantino and stuff. And for some reason... This happens more in this sport than it does in any other sport. I, I don't understand why, you know, it, it just it, because it's a worldwide sport, maybe. I don't know. But like the NFL, while it has like some crappy owners, are never going to be able to have the power that like a like FIFA has, you know, uh, on a whole sport like because if people don't like the NFL, they're going to watch college football. They're going to watch, you know, baseball. if you get upset with just the thought of the world cup or the thought of the Premier league, where else are you going to watch sports? Cause I tell you some of the same NFL owners are also MLS owners, right? So like, if you have a problem with them, you have a problem with the MLS owner. If you have a problem, you know, like there's this issue where, you know, as Matt would say, like every owner is bad. Right. And there's varying <laughs> degrees of them, of course, but, if we are going to have, for some reason, this sport of soccer always be dominated by just money and dirty money, by the way, money that, and I don't mean because of it being like oil money. I just mean anytime there's any sort of buying off of anything, you know, uh, Qatar buying the World Cup or, um, you know, whoever. It, it took the USA teaming up with Mexico and Canada to even get another World Cup here after we still have the highest attendance of a World Cup, and that was in 94. It's like they it's like they want money, but then they don't want legal money. They want like the the backwards money, right? Like because they could have made so much money. What one were we trying to get? 2018 or 2022? We were trying to get 2022. 2022. Mm-hmm. If we had hosted that here, yeah. 
it would have probably still get better attendance in Saudi Arabia than uh, than Qatar, right? And when you look at it that way, it's like no, they just rather take the backhand deals than FIFA themselves getting the money because the people making decisions are the ones actually pocketing the money in that scenario instead of it just going to FIFA as a whole. I don't know. I just rambled a whole bunch. What are your thoughts, Logan, before we move on from this topic? Yeah, so I, th- I think you're right, though. And I, and I know Matt is much better at understanding, like, the ownership as far as, like, who owns who and what owns what. And But I think that you made a really good point in the fact that, I mean, when you get to this status of being able to buy a team, I mean, if you look around, we have problems in our sport uh, over here with football. You have a, a problem um, with soccer globally, um, or football as you guys call it. But uh, I think the biggest thing is is that there's just not good people running some of these big systems, and then you're having a ruling body who's probably one of the more corrupt uh, ruling bodies that there's ever been. But I think that's because FIFA is so much bigger than the NFL um, and so much richer than the NFL that it, it, it really does. I think people take advantage of it. People are pocketing money. Um, people are benefiting from some of these situations a little too much. We don't know half of the stuff that goes on behind the scenes. Who knows how much money these people are getting for different things that they're doing or what they convince people to do just because of how dirty that money can be. Um, and I feel like that money, it runs deep. Um, and I, and I think that eventually stuff starts to come out about it just because of how open everything is. But I think that you're slowly starting to see it kind of creep out from the edges. Um, I guess I'm for uh, the fact that maybe in England things can be improved if they see, if Saudis are watching, you know, more Western civilized people, I guess, uh, that, you know, they know that these rights being taken away from them are not right. And maybe it can cause some, I don't know, some, I guess, mediation between uh, it, it can help uh, as far as some of these civil rights are concerned maybe you know working with all these u.s owners because a lot of them have now shifted over to the european game um maybe working with them it becomes a little bit more friendly maybe this guy is taking a step or extending a branch too um, i know the uk has arms deals with saudi so it's it's a matter of like can their governing bodies work together maybe their soccer bodies can work together um, and maybe it improves some of these situations for some of these people that are in the Saudis. Uh, it, it just hasn't had that track record, so it's hard to speak on just what it could do for the people of Saudi. It it, it seems unlikely just because of, I, I know the politics a little too much uh, there, but it, it it seems to be an issue that's going to keep, you know, it's going to continue to happen. And as long as we keep, uh, you know, giving these World Cups to different people, it's going to continue to be a, a sour grape or a sour apple here and there because of how, poorly these countries are run and how um i guess authoritative and dictators you know rule some of these lands so it's i don't know it's a lot it's a lot heavier than football um and i think that that's the hardest thing for all of us to kind of wrap our heads around it's not just giving new newcastle united a couple strikers and maybe the chance to sign Mbappe and become this team again it's it's also that that idea that this is all going to be really bad money um and they've gotten that money from some really bad dealings of killing people and certain things like that. So I don't know. It's hard to, it's really, really hard to be excited. Um, I mean, I want to be excited for the fans, but you also have to look at this is coming at some really extreme circumstances that nobody else has ever had to tackle before. Let's lighten it up a bit. Let's talk some actual results here. Watford versus Liverpool, Liverpool, 
uh, just demolished them. Uh, ninth minute, Mane scored. R- Roberto Firmino in the 37th minute, again in the 52nd minute, and then Mosala in the 54th, and then Firmino uh, in the 90 plus one to make it 5 0. Um, looking at stats, they had Liverpool at 76% possession, had 19 total shots. Uh, an XG of 3.13 to a 0.30 for Watford. Just not a great game for Watford here. And that puts them, you know, uh, currently in 16 spot. They're not far. Uh, you know, they're not, they're not like um, super close to like. They're not Norwich bad. But they're only four points from safety. Right? You know, they're four points safe yeah. right now. Uh, but yeah, um, not a good result. That puts Liverpool still only in second place because of a team that we'll talk about later in first. And they have not lost a game, Liverpool. They're the only undefeated team right now, and they still sit second place. Uh, what was your takeaway from this result? I thought Firmino looked good, um, which is somebody that they relied heavily on uh, a couple of years ago. And then last year, I think he kind of fell off the table. I think he was in a being on the bench a couple of times and, and really started to kind of fall into their depth chart just because I think there was so much unpredictability about his play. And I, and when they don't have the three going, the, the, it can get really tough on, on their uh, attack just because I'm not sure there's anybody really in the midfield that they can really rely on. If I had to pick, if I had to pick Liverpool's weakness, they really need somebody in that midfield. Um, Jordan Henderson just doesn't do it for me anymore. Um, Tiago hardly ever plays anymore. So you really get into this issue with depth. And I think if they could find somebody that was real creative in the middle, if they had like a KDB or if they had like a, I, I know Kovic has played decently well, um, but anybody really that can kind of create in midfield, like an Odegaard, it, it would help so much just because I think there's times where they can get stagnant. This game, they were just a better opponent. I mean, you can't really say anything about that too much. The the five nothing result just once you hit three, it just falls apart. And, and I know City's been a couple or part of those couple of games in Chelsea too, so you know what it's like. But it, it really does it when you look at this team. Salah's playing on a different level. I, I think um, Sane's playing. Um, no, you know, extremely not Sane, Mane. Um, Sane's not playing with uh, Liverpool. Um, <laughs> Mane's playing extremely well, um, and I, I think that Salah, again, it, when you have him, it's just a threat that you can't get rid of, and they're going to defend really well with Van Dyke back, um, and they show it here. They, they just didn't let Watford get anywhere close, um, so just an absolute blowout, but I don't know. There's not much you can really take from this besides the fact that they should beat Watford like this, but maybe Matt saw something else, obviously. Matt, what do you think? It was good. good. Yeah, good. Thanks, Matt. <laughs> I'll, I'll answer for him. <laughs> okay, um, okay uh, Aston Villa lose to Wolves 3-2 in what was a crazy game. Not the craziest that we'll talk about, but Danny Ings in the 48th minute. So all these goals are in the second half, by the way. Danny Ings in the 48th minute uh, makes it 1-0 to Aston Villa, and they're probably feeling pretty good. Then in the 68th minute, John McGinn scores for Villa, and they're probably feeling pretty good. 80th minute, Romain uh, Sace scores, uh, or Sice scores in the 80th minute to make it 2-1. Connor Cody scoring in the 85th to make it 2-2. And then in the 90 plus 5th, Ruben uh, Neves scoring to make it 3-2. 
uh, just an absolute uh, shocker for Aston Villa after being up 2-0 with only 22 minutes to go. When you look at the stats, they're pretty even. 52% possession to Wolves, 48 to Villa. 1.52 XG for Wolves, 1.11 for Villa. Total shots, though, 14 for Villa, 9 for uh, Wolverhampton. And uh, shots on target, 5 to uh, Aston Villa and 4 to Wolves, which means they put away 3 of the 4 on target. Where this leaves them currently, Wolves are sitting in 10th place with 12 points out of 8 games. And Villa sits in 13th with 8 played and 10 points. So a little bit of a dip down for Villa to start the season um, with the loss of Jack Grealish. And just, you know, sometimes after a good season like that, it, it's hard to... Well, I mean, they, they did end up falling, what, to like 11th last year. But, you know, it kinda, sometimes it's just hard to keep that momentum going throughout the whole season or even you know, from season to season for a lot of these clubs. And Jack was hurt last year at the end of the season. He went through, I think there was a stretch of like nine to 10 games that he didn't play. And and they did, they dropped a ton of points uh, when he was gone. Now you're seeing what that looks like with him as a constantly gone um, just because he's with City. And I, I think what you said is right too, that the leadership too, Jack is a leader. He's just a born leader. He's just got that natural ability to, to gather around and, and get the players hyped and, and get players to play well together. And he was so creative in the attack that I think sometimes Villa, they're going to rely on like a Danny Ings or an Ollie Watkins. And I'm not sure that they're real creative types. They're more of getting on the end of balls and putting them in. Um, Danny Ings especially, uh, and he got one in this match that it was very Danny Ings. that He gets on the end of the ball and he puts one in uh, and just cleans up the box. So I, I think that you've got a, a clash of like trying to learn a new formation, missing your best player and probably one of the top wingers in the league. So it's, it's really tough. Villa and then to lose on the road though in this fashion I thought Wolves looked really good I thought they played an extremely good second half and I thought that with the guys that they had you know just not starting um, as far as um, Raul Jimenez and then you've got uh, Podence coming off the bench who were two players last year um, when they were playing pretty well at the beginning of the season that those two have played really well um, but they've got a wealth of options. I was like, I, I really like kind of their team. I, if you look at their team, they've got Traore, Dendonka played well, um, Joao Matinho played extremely well, Ruben Neves was fantastic. Um, and then you got Roman Seiss and Connor Cody in the back, which is just going to be tremendous. So I don't know. I like Wolves. I, I think that they're the middle of the table team, and I think it'll be interesting to watch. Plus, I like the name Dendonka. <laughs> <laughs> I'm name my kid that <laughs> I don't have a kid, but I'm gonna name him that. <laughs> I'm gonna name a cat that. There you go. Get another cat. And name him that. Um. Yeah, I think it is a. Um, you know, when, when you look at uh, these, um, you know, right now Wolves is sitting above them. Uh, you know, Wolves you know, it can kind of be on and off for, um, you know, every so often with how they, uh, how they end up playing. But I want to move on here to uh, the 
game of the weekend for me here, honestly. Norwich um, and uh, Brighton? Yes, of course. Where Josh, Josh Sargent missed an open <laughs> net. Which is, and he's way outside the box with it, but he like shot that thing uh, with not a lot of power. His, um, uh, his shot was much like his chances fleeting as the number nine for the U.S. men's national team. Unfortunately. Unfortunately. <laughs> No, the game I'm talking about is Leicester City versus Manchester mm. United. This one was a whole bunch of fun. And I was at my friend's house, you know, checking out this. Uh, uh, we, we were playing, uh, watching it on his huge TV he has here. Um, but it was, uh, I got there at like the second half. Um, so I watched like, you know, the, the first half at home. And then I got there for the... Uh, second half watch that there and it was just a lot of fun that it was like almost every minute that, yeah uh, at the end of the game here something was going on mm-hmm. so you know 19 minutes in mason greenwood scores to give united the lead telemans well, both of these goals were just absolute crackers uh telemans scores a great goal in the 31st to make it 1-1 then uh you know Lots of chances throughout the rest of the game, but then in the 78th minute, uh, Soyuncu scoring to make it 2-1 Leicester. Literally four minutes later in the 82nd minute, Marcus Rashford scored to make it 2-2. Then Jamie Vardy scores a minute later in the 83rd minute to make it 3-2. And then in the 90-plus-1, Patson Daka puts it away to make it 4-2 to Leicester. And United, who had the lead, at the beginning of the game and equalized late, give up two late goals to lose the game. They gave up 22 shots to their 18 shots and uh, they had more possession of the game, but this was at the King power stadium for Leicester. But uh, that that's all she wrote for United that day. And also, you know, I know you were banging on the Ole out drum right after that, but they came out later that day and said that they stand behind them. They're not going to get rid of them. What do you think this is all about? I, I really do think they're behind him. I, I think that what that guy said on Twitter that I sent you earlier, maybe they got some kind of and working on the Maybe it's Ole. He's working on the inside to just destroy Man United. I have no idea what people think. They, there's like a lot of conspiracies that I went through. I started to pull a mat where I went in and was like reading on Reddit about Man United. And they think that there's people on the inside that are like detrimental to this club. I was like, I think there is one and he coaches. I, I, I really do think that they're backing him because I'm not sure what else is out there, right, Jordan? I, I mean, I can't think of anybody unless you're going to make the switch. Like, I, I feel like the Brendan Rodgers train is coming and I feel like it's headed towards Manchester, whether it be City or United on whichever team needs the manager first, because if Pep leaves or if Ole's gone, I think Brendan Rodgers is set up nicely to end up in Manchester. And I think that that's actually what's coming down the pipe. But right now he's coaching a Leicester team that puts it on um, Ole and and a 4-2 fashion, that king power. And honestly, I, I think it's a lot of, let me back this manager because there's nothing else out there. And we are going to live or die by Ole. And I'm not sure that they've got the team to compete with the top three. I really don't see where this team has the talent right now, um, especially with uh, with a Ronaldo that's gone kind of quiet here in a little, you know, a couple of matches. And I think that playing Pogba and like a defensive mid is never going to be a good, you know, huge success. Nemanja Matic is like 33 or something, 30 going on 34. 
and so that he doesn't play all the matches and he he's looked decent when he's played but this match he kind of got overwhelmed um and then you've got scott mtamine who i i think there's times where he looks overwhelmed too in that midfield so i don't they really don't have a midfielder that they can rely on to hold that defensive line and I think that's a huge problem in front of that back four because I don't think Lindelof and, and McGuire have kind of turned out like they thought they would. So then you've just got a mess of players. And I and like Matt said, it's a bunch of players that seem like they don't know how to play together. And, and they rely on Bruno. They rely on Cristiano. Um, and, and I think a little too much sometimes. And I, that's why they, they just kind of crumble when things start to go bad because I think that Cristiano and Fernand, or you know Bruno are, are not guys that are going to step up and drive you into a – a winning position based on their attitudes. Um, you don't have like that guy that's a rah-rah um, and, and neither of them are really kind of that, you know, big head captain that says, Hey, I, I'm going to take over now. I don't know. There's a lot going on, Jordan. I think that the, the well, early... I will say, I do think Ronaldo is that type of player, but I think you're asking too much of like a 37 year old yeah. Ronaldo yeah. at this point. I think he was that player. I think because uh, he did that, you know, at the Euros uh, for Portugal, he pretty much was coaching them from the si- sideline when uh, when he was injured in that 2016 run. And um, I don't think it has anything to do with – well, I think some of it has to do with the players, obviously, right? But I, I do think no matter who they're – I do think that if they change coaches to a better coach – he could get more from this bunch of players. I think that. Now, when you're talking about conspiracies on people having a guy on the inside to tank United, why? What? What would? What would be the point of that? The Glazers don't want to make money. They, they don't, don't like want the to be, I think that's they don't want to be from. good. Yeah. Well, yeah, they don't want to be good. It just means they're incompetent owners. Yeah, no, it I doesn't mean it. that yeah. they're you know that they're out to get them. <laughs> You know, like they think, okay, we can just keep getting money off of our United name or whatever, and we'll sign some players here and there, but to stay relevant, we'll make some shirt sales now that Ronaldo's back type of thing, you know, but they're not ever going to, I I don't think they'd be like, oh man, we own this great team that makes us tons of money. Mm. What if we wanted to make less money though? What if we want it to purposely tank them so we can make less money? That's not how they think. Really? Now, they, they may just be incompetent, which is my money. My money is on them being incompetent more than, than any sort of conspiracy. Um, but I do think that uh, we talked about what Brandon Rogers was that last episode or two episodes ago yeah, that we talked right. about that as like an interesting option. Yeah. But I do think that without without Ole, if they had somebody like Conte or somebody like look look at how much Chelsea was struggling under Frank Lampard and then they're immediately one of the best teams in England Mm -hmm. sometimes all it is is the manager and I think that there could be somebody better than Ole Gunnar Soskar and you know what I'll tell you Sir Alex Ferguson has won the Premier League with worse squads than this he just has because he was able to drive his players and uh that's what they're missing, I think, at this point. I think Zidane, Zidane Zidane should be a name thrown around. I think that obviously Brendan Rodgers, but that's not going to happen. Uh, I know Hogg's been thrown around out there um, when he was at Ajax. He's, you know, that was somebody they thought uh, Conte. Um, but again, I think you're really running out of options unless you're going to start looking like 
towards the, the our part of the world where you've got MLS ending, which I highly doubt anybody here is successful enough to go back there. I, I can't think of anybody. Um, but it, it really does. It, it kind of puts you in a weird spot because there's not like a Tuchel laying around. There's not like that coach laying around that you can just kind of, not unless one of these big clubs goes in and fires their manager. I don't, I just don't see where that, that can come out of somewhere. And right now I think they really need one of those managers to come out of nowhere, but they just don't have that. I guess that person that's available um, besides maybe Conte. So I don't know. I guess we'll see what happens, but maybe uh, Sir Alex Ferguson will coach or something like that. You're on mute. We're going to talk about this next week as well. Um, or on state side, sorry. We're going to talk about this on state side, but Chris Smith of at 90 men, um, you know, 90 men, uh, they're a football website that he writes for. He covers MLS. I do want to just bring on here. This was published eight minutes ago. Ricardo Pepe has approached the Dallas front office to request a transfer away from the club. So Chris has said he's reached out to the players' representatives for further confirmation. Um, it seems like Wolfsburg might be the lead option because they've already agreed personal terms with him, but it's ultimately going to be up to who you know, Dallas accepts the bid from. Uh, so it could be a Premier League team. It could be another European team. Um, but just something I wanted to share while we were uh, talking here. Um, and we'll cover it deeper on Stateside Soccer Show. So if you're interested in that, take a look there. All right. Uh, Manchester United, you know, we can pretty much write them off right now. Okay. Manchester City win 2-0 over Burnley. Not much to talk about here, right? Bernardo Silva, Kevin De Bruyne. Uh, They're all healthy again. Yeah. De Bruyne looks good. Foden looks good. Um, so it's always good when you have the health. And Zach Steffen got his first Premier oh, yeah, League win. That's something That's to talk about. Yeah, and Pep said, and I quote, that was a really great performance. He's a really great goalkeeper, and we're lucky to have him. So, yeah, uh, Pep even noticing how good Zach is. Um, not good enough to replace Ederson, maybe, but if something ever happens to Ederson, which uh, the way that he plays, he's very reckless. So there, there could come a time where Zach Steffen might be the number one at City. So that's kind of exciting. But if he's I not, doubt, I doubt he is. He, he will probably. <laughs> Ederson is leave. reckless. That's what I'm going with. <laughs> he will probably still have to leave at, at some point. Yeah, well, I saw a times, lot of. Go ahead. As many times as Ederson has to be quarantined because he's always hanging out with That's COVID true. people, it, might as well just lock him in for number one. I saw a bunch of people talking about like online, like making fun of the people saying that Stefan has to leave, and as people that say Stefan has to leave, I was Stephen a little insulted, but. Um, it's not a bad thing that he's at city. The bad thing is he's not playing often is the thing. And when you see like that, which we'll talk about on state side, how he was kind of rusty in that game against um, Costa Rica, when he started out of the blue uh, for no reason, which we'll get into, you know, um, on Wednesday's episode of state side soccer show. But, you know, it, it's those kind of things that make it um, now, if he, is going to play at city more, or if he's going to get a move away, like his option, you know, like I'm not talking about right now, right. I'm talking about either in the winter or in the summer. And he's not going to leave this season. Pep's not going to let him leave during the season. So we're talking about summer. He would have to go somewhere where he could challenge maybe. Um, but who knows? Maybe we don't want him to leave before the world cup. Cause that'll only be a few months before the world cup. So, I mean, 
it's a little tricky, but there are other European clubs that Stefan could definitely start in. Um, the issue is he's on a team that has, you know, a clear number one. Um, you will like this, though. Uh, it has been reported that Man City are after a young goalkeeper um, and they want to find Ederson's next replacement. So I think that that, that might be a clear indication that Zach's time might be coming to an end at City. So I think that, that they don't see him as the yes, replacement. That they don't yeah. see him as the replacement. Or Ederson's really young. Like it's, I hate when people say that too. Like, oh, he needs to be the replacement. I'm like, they're almost the same age. Like Ederson's a little older. <laughs> like, Stefan's, you know, Stefan's 26. Yeah, I think Ederson's 26 or 28. So it's even if he's not older, what is Ederson? I think he's 20. Ederson 26. is 28. Yeah, 28. Okay. So 28, like... It, and goalkeeper years, that's young. I mean, how old is yeah. Hugo Lloris? Right, they're like... They play till they're like 40 in, in goalkeeping, so... Hugo yeah, Lloris Cech's, is 34 years old, okay? So... Petr checks like 50 and fills in his replacement sometimes <laughs> when they need a traveling goalkeeper that's not quarantined. Yeah. Petr Cech will just be like, hey, oh, I want to be on the roster. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Okay, uh, so let's go ahead and take a look at Norwich drawing with Brighton, nil-nil. Really, Brighton probably should have got some more points here, but Brighton are still feeling pretty good. They're in fourth place. They're tied with Tottenham. They're still above Man United, West Ham, Everton, which is pretty amazing. And uh, Norwich you know, has now two points. They've doubled their points in a week here from one to two. And they've had two straight draws, and they got Chelsea next. So they'll, we'll see how they handle uh, Chelsea. I'm predicting a Josh Sargent goal in that game. Oh, that'd be that, wild, huh? That would be wild. It's like you miss an open <laughs> one against Brighton, but you, you score against Chelsea. Um, Southampton beat Leeds 1-0 as Leeds continue their Slow start. Armando Broja scoring in the 53rd minute. Uh, Chelsea beat Brentford from a Ben Chilwell goal in the 45th minute before halftime. But I'll tell you, Brentford were Mm. very, very impressive. They had less possession. They had higher XG, 1.91 to 0.27. They had 17 shots to Chelsea's five, you know, like they played so well. And that second half was pretty much them just, especially like the last 20 minutes, them yeah. lumping the ball for yes. like, let's go, let's they go love get that. shots off. Yeah. It was so exciting. And uh, look, this is how bad of a fan I am. I was kind of rooting for Brentford to kind of pull <laughs> off a little upset here with a goal. Um, that would have been just amazing story yeah. to have Brentford, Brentford do that, but uh, was not to be. Thomas um, Franks likes those, those like Pinnock or those Jurgensen like long balls over the top to kind of try to find Ivan Tony or when you're talking about Buemo. I think it's so much fun to watch them play because they they literally, like you said, Jordan, it's they, they are still playing over the top and like a championship level team. And they're like, let's just let's just try to score as many goals as possible. And the biggest thing, like we've always talked about, they just don't concede goals. Um to concede one goal against Chelsea, and I know it was at um at Brentford but it it was still impressive to not give up goals to a very good Chelsea team who seem to be on a different planet right now when it's talking about teams but um but even they look threatening like on their goal and and Chelsea hardly ever lets people look threatening on their goal but like you said the last 20 minutes seemed like a barrage on uh, Edward Mendy 
Um, and, and he, again, he stood on his head and is easily right now one of my top players in Premier League just by how well he's played. And plus, Kepa's uh, kept out of goal when he's playing, so that's always a good thing. <laughs> You're muted again. Sorry, I do that so that way you don't hear me like sip my soda over here and then uh, <laughs> I forget. Okay, West Ham <laughs> 1, Everton 0. Uh, a goal from Angelo Obonia in the 74th minute um, to give West Ham the victory. And then the richest team in England, Newcastle United, lose to Tottenham <laughs> 3-2. Callum Wilson two minutes in, scoring for Newcastle. Then in Dombele in the 17th minute, Harry Kane in the 22nd, and then Sun in the 45th plus four ends the first half 3 1 to Spurs. And then you're going to get a red card for John Joe Shelby in the 83rd minute, and then Eric Dyer own goal in the 89th to make it 3 2. But Newcastle are still sitting in the relegation zone, uh, unfortunately for them. Uh, they are in 19th place with three points. They're three points from safety. Um, and then Arsenal just drew Crystal Palace today. Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang in the eighth minute. Christian Benteke in the 50th minute. Uh, Edouard in the 73rd minute. And then Lacazette tying it up in the 90-plus fifth minute to give Arsenal a point as they sit 12th place and Palace sit 14th. So let's talk that uh, the top. Let, let me read them all out for you now. We got Chelsea in first with 19 points, Liverpool in second with 18, City in third with 17, Brighton in fourth with 15, Tottenham in fifth with 15, United in sixth with 14, West Ham in seventh with 14, Everton in eighth with 14, Brentford in ninth with 12, Wolves in tenth with 12, Leicester in 11th with 11, Arsenal in 12th with 11. Villa in 13th with 10, Palace in 14th with 8, Southampton in 15th with 7, Watford in 16th with 7, Leeds in 17th with 6, right above relegation. And then in relegation zone, 18th Burnley, Newcastle 19th, they both have 3 points, and Norwich in 20th with 2 points. Okay, uh, and then the game's coming up here Friday. We got a Friday game. What awful scheduling, too. Arsenal played Monday, yeah, and they're yeah. playing on Friday against Villa. That's so <laughs> stupid. That. Then you have uh, Chelsea um, in uh, at, on Saturday against Norwich. Palace versus Newcastle. Everton versus Watford. Leeds versus Wolves, Southampton versus Burnley, Brighton versus City. That's on Saturday. On Sunday, we have Brentford versus Leicester, West Ham versus Spurs, and United versus Liverpool, which should be a fun matchup there. Liverpool, Liverpool probably you know run away with that game. But okay. Um, and let's just check the lower leagues real quick just to see how everybody's doing in the championship, League 1 and League 2. In the championship, we have Bournemouth in first with 28 points, West Ham in second with 25, Fulham in third with 23. Matt sent us a picture of that this week to depress <laughs> us, that those three teams could be right back up pretty much. 
Uh, Coventry in fourth with 23 points. Stoke in fifth with 21. And Huddersfield in sixth with 20 points. Uh, man, okay. Uh, yeah, Swansea all the way in 17th place, by the way. Uh, in relegation zone is Darby, uh, Peterborough, and Barnsley for the championship. In League One, we have Plymouth in first with 26 points. Wickham in second with 26 points. Wigan, that's my team, in third with 25 points. Sunderland till we die in fourth with 25 points. Rotherham in fifth with 23 points. And MK Dons rounding that out in uh, sixth place with 19 points. Sheffield Wednesday just below the playoff spots. Bolton is in 10th just for knowledge there. And Ipswich is in 15th. Those are some other big clubs. In the relegation zone, Shrewsbury, Charlton, Crew. And Doncaster. And then we look at League Two, where we have Forest Green in first place with 26 points. Harrogate Town in second with 22 points. Port Val in third with 21. Tranmere in fourth. Sutton in fifth. Swindon in sixth. And Leighton Orient in seventh. All right. And relegation, by the way, is Carlisle and Scunthorpe. All right. Anything else that we didn't get to cover in this? I did want to debunk one thing. Uh, people think that Newcastle United is going to be able to come in and just spend. Uh, that's not how it works. <laughs> uh, just as a heads up, um, it, it works. They, I think they said they have $190 million to work with or 190 million pounds mm -hmm. to work with over the next three years. Um, so kind of divvy that out across three years. That's a pretty normal, like, big club spending kind of thing, I guess. Maybe, like, cusp spending as far as, like, top four or five. Um, that's how they would normally spend, like, a Tottenham or a United or somebody like that. Um, yeah, I called United a cusp team. But, uh, I mean, seriously, when you, when you look at Newcastle United, people are like, it's not like, and I know a lot of it, it's, it's Americans watching the sport that think this, that this team can just come in and just spend. But against the financial fair play, you can't really spend. They they give you like a leash of like two hundred million when you first come in as a club um, buyer, and then after that, you can only spend about how much you lose or gain, and it, it's all with revenue and how much the club loses and trades and transfers out. Um, so they've also got to be aware of that, uh, and they also got to hope that the team is in good shape once they start selling uh, and then bringing in good players. But again, it, it's going to be tough because they're going to be entering a phase um, where it's not even this crop of kids that they're going to be able to kind of grab from. I don't think Holland will be somebody they can grab for until his next team. Um, I think Mbappe will be a next team kind of thing. Um, I think when you look around at a lot of the young talent, a lot of it's going to be that next, you know, the next team for a lot of these guys, just because of how long, I mean, it took city, I think it was like four years, five years to really get into a position where they were competing constantly at the top. Um, and I think that's about it, what you're looking at with Newcastle as well. Yeah, it's not like they would really face no. any difficulties, though, from financial fair play, would they? I mean, like, they didn't no. really punish City because of it. No. So, I mean, I doubt they'd be like, oh, yeah, yeah, we got to punish you if you. Yeah, but like, if you, you know, you're not guilty like Chelsea and then get the, the ban on the transfers and stuff like that. Like, that's that's right. when you start to get into some really legal issues and talk about somebody that could have paid off the, the yeah. gods. 
Um, all right. Well, I think that about wraps us up. We still got done early after taking a 20 minute detour on Saudi Arabia. We can go through all of our podcasts and tell them where we can be found. And we can, we can. (laughs) All right. So like we said, Wednesday stateside soccer show that's on Twitter at stateside show. Logan, what are we going to be recording right after this that comes out tomorrow? Yeah, so we're going to be recording our NFL show. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Jordan doesn't know. I was like, oh, crap, did we have one of those two? <laughs> I think that might be the easiest sport to kind of follow. There's only 17 weeks. But anyway, um, no, we're going to be recording the Extra Inning Baseball Show, which is our baseball podcast. It is not officially What gave official. it away? Mm, I think the soccer field behind you. Um, but yeah, no, the, the Extra Inning Baseball Show, that is going to be our baseball podcast. Um, we are talking ALCS, NLCS, and all the things that have happened prior to it that we have not caught up on. And we will officially launch into the winter baseball meetings. And I think, Jordan, if we don't have a lockout, and even if we do have a lockout, this uh, this offseason will be wild because of uh, all the players that are available, starting pitching and, and shortstops and the whole slew of players that are free agents this year, big names too. So yeah, looking it's a forward growing, to that. It's a growing show, so just – Jump on while you can. I just talked about Venom Let There Be Carnage on our uh, Marvel MCU podcast, which is not technically a MCU film, but if you want to be spoiled about how it can connect, listen to my 18-minute review <laughs> on To the Infinity Saga and Beyond, an MCU fan podcast that is on Twitter at T.O. Infinity Saga and uh, you can check that out there if you're interested in the MCU. I was thinking of maybe bringing back the Pod Awakens for Book of Boba Fett. We'll see, because uh, then I'd have to find somebody to to podcast about it, and you know, then I have to have my own time to podcast about it. But uh, we'll, we'll you're see. You're running how out of days, Jordan. You're running out of days. <laughs> I'm running out of days. We'll see how it goes. But by then, we should be kind of on a break from one of these shows for a little bit, at least take a week or two off. Um, but. Yeah, uh, that is that. If you want to follow this show, it's on Twitter at Stop It Show. And, uh, you know, the rest of the links are in the description. I'm I not feel like saying them all right now. But if you're interested, they're there. You probably, if you're listening, already know where to follow us. So whatever. But uh, thanks for listening and have a great rest of your week. And we'll catch you next time talking about those games that we just read off the list of games that are coming up soon. So uh, thank you for listening. Enjoy your week. Kane has stolen it at the death. That's what he's there for. Thank you for listening to Stoppage Time Soccer Show. We hope that you continue to listen to our show and listen to us recap the English Premier League from our perspective, we'll also be talking some Champions League and any other leagues that impact world soccer.